3: The moment has arrived. You have been assembled here for Operation Time Fracture, and it is not an overstatement to say that the fate of the universe itself lies in our hands. Now it's been 80 years since the fracture first appeared, caused by a temporal disruptor bomb dropped during a blitz, and it's grown. And our reality will be wiped from existence if we cannot
2: complete this mission. Now you all arrived here as volunteers, recommended by the doctor, and it is imperative that
3: you complete your mission, find out who or what is responsible for the fractures growth and stop it before it's too late. Good luck my friends. all cancer on you. Hello
2: and welcome to the
0: RadioTimes.com Doctor Who podcast. Uh, my name's Hugh Fullerton and this week I'm delving into something a little unusual. I'm delving into the Doctor Who Time Fracture Immersive Experience which is opening in London this summer. Uh, So yeah, basically, I went along to this uh, last week, depending on when you listen to this, in the distant past, if you're listening to this a few months later, uh, to check it out. Um, And it was pretty exciting. And I didn't do the whole immersive experience just yet. uh, That hadn't opened yet, but it's open now. So you can get tickets if you're interested. Um, But they showed me a few key locations, gave me a sense of a story. And I chatted to some interesting people. Um, I spoke to Charlie Burt who plays uh, Queen Elizabeth I, memorably played by Joanna Page, um, among others in the series. Uh, Then I had an interview with Rebecca Brower, who is the uh, production designer on the uh, whole thing. So she helped make a lot of the props and things like that. And I also interviewed uh, Time Fracture's writer, Daniel Dingsdale and director Thomas Maller, uh, who Thomas was, uh, Tom was also on hand to explain some of the sets. So yeah, just to be clear, this is not a review of Doctor Who Time Fracture, as I didn't actually go through the whole story. The whole story is about a two hour, 15 minute immersive theatre experience. What I did was I went along and they staged a few key scenes for me and kind of told me what it was going to be like. And there will be a proper press night in a few weeks, which we'll be reviewing. Um, Basically, they're kind of, I imagine, trying to, in classic theatre style, they're open for a little bit first to work out any final kinks uh, before they unleash the press on their you know creation um so yeah I think I will leave it there because I can't give too much of a preview but what I can do is I can hand over to my first interviewee which is Charlie Burt Uh, so this is me talking to Charlie on the set of Doctor Who Time Fracture specifically in Queen Elizabeth's Court uh, hello Charlie. Hi. Uh, so to start off with, um, could you introduce yourself and explain your role here at Time Fracture?
1: Yeah, so I'm Charlie Burt. I play Queen Elizabeth I and a Time Lord guide.
0: Very nice. Uh, so how long have you guys been rehearsing for this?
1: Oh, we started rehearsals in April. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had our first official preview last night. Did it go well? It did, yes it did. There was a really, really enthusiastic crowd a lot of Doctor Who fans came which was great and enjoyed the experience it seemed. it's good.
0: I mean what's it like playing uh, Queen Elizabeth obviously she's been memorably portrayed in Doctor Who mm. before a couple of times more recently by Joanna Page because mm. I see a painting of yes. her over there. I mean did you have to go back and kind of watch those episodes and try and incorporate a bit of that?
1: Of course I've, I mean yes have to become very well versed in her place in the narrative. Um, in terms of emulating what we saw we were very We were allowed to make the character our own which is obviously a gift as an actor Um, and because our narrative differs slightly from the one portrayed in the show because time is fracturing and things are changing um so it's a much more interactive role. Obviously that's the whole purpose of the audience, is they are there to become the heroes of the story.
0: Um, so what's the experience like for people who come to visit? You say it's really interactive. Mm. I mean, a lot of, lot of back and forth. Yes,
1: yeah, so um, the audience, when they arrive, they are, they are, the reason that they arrive in the show is because they have been recruited as volunteers for this thing termed Operation Time Fracture. So the minute they arrive, they are given a role and a purpose, so they know who they are and they move through various different worlds interacting with the characters in those worlds. They have, um, when the Time Lord Guide characters effectively accompany them through the worlds, protect them from monsters, get them to the end of their journey. Um, So you can interact and immerse yourself as little or as much as you like. Um, It's totally fine for people, if they are perhaps more shy or they don't feel that comfortable interacting, to come and observe and, and learn the narrative and watch, but also we actively encourage people who are really keen on basically starring in an episode of Doctor Who themselves to to come along.
0: So you said that you play Elizabeth and uh, Time Lord Guide, is that like alternate nights kind of thing?
1: Yes, so we alternate between shows. Ah
0: okay, cool. So I mean which do you prefer if you don't mind me asking? At
1: the moment I think it's quite early to say because we've had um, just one official preview, but. They both have real merits. Um, it's very exciting being a time lord guide because you get to kind of ping pong between worlds and meet loads of audience members and create interactions and memories, and you interact with basically every other actor in the show. So that's really exciting. Um, whereas for Queen Elizabeth, you quite literally are holding court. Um, she's an incredible character to play, and the costume teams and the um, hair and makeup teams are just out of this world, so you, you feel really like a queen.
0: What's it like to finally have it all kicking off?
1: It's so exciting. <laughs> it's so exciting being an actor who was brought into the process, um, technically in October, but really brought into the room and into the family in April, um, when the creative team had been working on this for so long. It was, it was a, re- it's a real privilege to be part of a show like this where so much work has gone into it and you need to show up and, and raise your game and that's really exciting.
0: My final question would be, uh, how would you describe it to somebody who you know, has maybe never heard of Time Fracture, not even a Doctor Who fan necessarily, to make them kind of come and take a look?
1: Oh, if they'd never heard of Doctor Who and they'd never heard of Time Fracture.
0: Like, why would they be here? <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, no, 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 that's, we've, we hope that everyone will come and see yeah, this and it's accessible for everyone. I'd probably say that it is a immersive theatre show Um, which is centred around one of the most famous British cultural exports around the world, um, Doctor Who. Um, And they will come and be able to move through worlds, interact with characters from history, characters they would never even have heard of, um, have an incredible time and just have an adventure.
0: Thank you for that, Charlie. Um, You may notice, or possibly not, Um, any editing in there is because there was a bit where we had to leave and go and hide in Leonardo da Vinci's studio um, because there was too much noise from all the final finishing touches they were doing Uh, so yeah lots of interesting cast members in this who you'll interact with and yeah some of them are like guides for you some of them are are cast members and familiar people from the shows of course there's also a lot of interesting people who are actually from Doctor Who Uh, a lot of cameos and stuff which we'll talk about later but uh, first up doing the kind of the stars of the show that are not living beings, well expressed, is Rebecca Brower, the set designer slash production designer.
2: So my name is Rebecca Brower and I'm the production designer. So I have designed all of the sets that you see, but also the costumes uh, and have worked with my team on top of that to design props and masks that we've had to bring in as well.
0: I mean, It struck me when I kind of walked in, I was, I was a bit like, oh, this is what happened to all the stuff from the Doctor Who experience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how much of this was stuff that you guys made fresh versus that you got from the BBC or other people?
2: I would say about 50-50. Mm. So when we went to Cardiff, we were really lucky that they let us look around two of their warehouses and pull out as, as as much as we wanted. And if there was anything that had maybe been broken or we wanted just to... I mean, the one thing to say, obviously, with a show like this is... You see, everybody sees everything at 360 degrees and can touch things or will be allowed to and can pick things up. And so, I really wanted to make sure that the items that could be done were you know solid, made really, really well. And so, we did remake lots of things as well to make sure that people could get really up close.
0: I assume, like, I saw pieces of what looked like Jodie Whitaker's I assume they're still using that. Uh, so those are probably stuff that you guys had made all due because...
2: No, they remade the TARDIS ah. um, halfway through, and so I was just a van literally turned up one day with it all in, and they just said, would you like it? Um, so if you go into our merchandise shop, that's actually where the majority of ah. it is. But no, that's the real Joni Whittaker TARDIS. I mean, one of my favourite rooms, actually, or my, one of my favourite worlds, is Rolls's junkyard, mm. because it's a TARDIS junkyard.
0: So. Yes, well I thought that because there's that sort of little one on the yeah. side, is that a new one or was that in No,
2: so that was from the do- Doctor's Wife. I
0: thought it might be, the yeah. one that they make. Yes. Yes.
2: And um, you've got... Pieces of Matt Smith's TARDIS. You got mm. pieces of David Tennant's TARDIS. You got pieces of Peter Capaldi's TARDIS, and we tried to make that entire junkyard a massive Easter egg in itself. <laughs> hey,
0: well, I was looking around at all the. I did. I did clock some of it, but I'm sure I missed some of it as well. So I'll have yeah. to come back. And Look about
2: out about... for Cassandra's framework. Oh, that
0: that's a good. That's hint. a good tip. Yeah, I didn't spot that. Um, I mean, aside from that, what what do you think was the biggest challenge in creating a kind of Doctor Who world that fans could walk around, especially when mm. Doctor Who is so different every episode?
2: I think, um, I think the fact that this is not TV. Mm. We don't have special effects, we don't have green screen, so the challenge was really to try and create environments that were incredibly detailed and could be looked at from every single angle. We can't have backs of flatage showing in, and things like this, so it was really how to design in a pre-existing building. And bring everything to life. The same thing with kind of masks, and as you saw, the Cybermen earlier, mm. um, how we make sure our performers can wear those and wear the costumes all the time you know eight shows a week for an entire year how we can make sure that we cleverly adapt the prosthetics and the masks so that they can hear and speak to people um for example you'll you you'll meet an oud as you walk around and we placed a speaker inside of him so it sounded like it was coming out of his his brain his orb and so it was trying to translate television to reality was the biggest challenge but hopefully it's worked.
0: I mean, from what I've seen, it it looked pretty good. I was very impressed by the pig slave uh, mask. That was pretty. That looked pretty TV, TV accurate. I thought. Um, do you have a favourite set?
2: Uh, unit. Yeah. I really, I really enjoyed designing unit and going up there and hearing the soundscape and seeing what the lighting designer has has kind of done with it as well. Everything. Is exactly what was in my head when I was designing it. Mm. The exciting thing about that, and I won't give too much away, is that it has to morph into a second space. So, the, what was really, really exciting about that is to try and create a military base that has hidden secrets, mm. and that when you come in, you can't see the hidden secrets that are just about to be revealed. That was exciting. It's
0: very cool. Uh, I mean, I think we've sort of answered this a bit, but I mean, you know, Doctor Who jokes and Easter eggs must be hidden around. I mean, how much should fans be looking around to spot these things? And and are some of them just for show or are some of them very plot, you know, dependent?
2: Uh, a bit of everything um, some of them are just dressing some of them are plot dependent it completely depends kind of where you are so it's hard to to specify for example when you're in Leonardo da Vinci you can look around and see actual props that were, were um, borrowed from the BBC uh, and easter eggs such as this is fake which is a specific reference to Tom Baker but then also as you look through the paperwork you can see what his mind is coming up with at the moment which is what leads you on your storyline so i tried to do a bit of everything
0: That makes sense um, Obviously you mentioned that a lot of stuff came from the BBC 50% was made yourself I mm-hmm. mean, uh, what's something that you had to make that was an interesting challenge?
2: Uh, thinking back to my art director Ryan, what did we talk about? To be honest, one thing that actually has been really, really fun to make is Easter eggs such as food. Mm. We've had some amazing makers make us jammy dodgers, make us jelly beans, make us fish fingers in custard. (laughs) Um, so that they can be kind of looked at and they're as realistic as possible, but equally they're not real because we want them to sit there for years. (laughs) So they were really, really fun. One thing I would say to look out for when you go to Torchwood is Doctor Number 10's hand. We made that again just because the one from Torchwood was just a bit too old. That was a really, really good make to make it bubble, to make it glow blue and to make it be able to be holdable as well and full of water. That was a good one.
0: So you mentioned a Torchwood set there, so Mm -hmm. that's exciting. I didn't know that that was was in this. So, I mean, I have seen the unit base, uh, Mm -hmm. the kind of alien place and the tomb Cybermen, and then obviously Queen Elizabeth's court, William Shakespeare's study, and I popped into Leonardo da Vinci for a moment with um, Charlie. Uh, I mean, uh, can you tease any any other interesting sets?
2: How can I do that? Um, uh... There's definitely a really exciting horror
1: Mm.
2: experience in this. Um, Not everybody has to go on it if they don't want to. They're very clearly asked beforehand. But that's one of my favourite segments because you're taken through uh, a basement and you might meet some uh, creatures that are not the nicest creatures to meet. It's just a fun theatrical adventure. And it's, it's just for everybody. If you don't know immersive theatre, that's fine. If you don't know Doctor Who, that's fine. No matter what, you're gonna have an evening of discovery. And I mean, what drew me to Doctor Who in general as a child was being able to travel around the universe. And I think that audience can definitely expect to be traveling around the universe with this.
0: Thanks, Rebecca. That was super interesting. I really enjoyed chatting to Rebecca. Um, and she's actually written a thing for us uh, a while ago for International Women's Day about being a Doctor Who fan. Uh, so please check it out on the RadioTimes.com website if you fancy it. And finally, uh, like I said, I chatted to Doctor Who Time Fractures writer and director, uh, Daniel Dingsdale and Tom Maller. Um, so I talked to these guys about a bunch of things, um, you know, about the interesting Doctor cameos. I got to the chance to see um, some of the Doctor cameos, Jodie Whittaker and David Bradley pre-recorded some stuff. They just for background for what I talk about in this, um, when you kind of, I believe when you start the adventure, you're in UNIT HQ, um, one of the few places I visited. And basically you have a message from the first Doctor, David Bradley taking over from the William Hartnell and Jodie Whitaker's current 13th Doctor and it kind of cuts between the two of them. Um, so yeah, so I asked Daniel and Tom a bit about that and about Time Fracture in general. So here you go. Hello, I'm
3: Tom Maller. I'm the director of Doctor Who Time Fracture. Hello, I'm Daniel Dingsdale. I'm the writer of Doctor Who Time Fracture.
0: Brilliant. Uh, So, you know, going right back to the start, Mm. um, where did the kind of, what was the genesis of Time Fracture and how did you guys both get involved? Uh, So,
3: um, we were, we received a phone call from the producers, uh, Immersive Everywhere, saying that they had uh, uh, gained the license from the BBC to be able to mount an immersive production of Doctor Who and would myself and Tom uh, like to lead it creatively as writer and Tom as the director. And then we leapt at the chance to do that Mm. because as far as immersive, immersive worlds are concerned, you couldn't ask for a better one than Doctor Who. There's no other uh, property that has such variety of locations, tone, and time where we can traverse all of space and time, dimensions, or a huge variety of characters and have that not only make sense, but be expected when you're going in and creating these immersive worlds. Uh, it was a no-brainer for us. Mm.
0: Um, and so, you know, when you guys started Blank blank Slate, you know, plain sheet of paper What was on your kind of wish list for, for Time
4: Fracture? Well, I was always, I'm always keen I love, I love a bit of history yeah. So I was always keen to have some historical element within the show And so my big stake in the ground was a kind of Elizabeth, Elizabethan court and uh, so that was that was what I was really
3: excited about at the start yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah that, that, that kept coming up in fact, <laughs> in fact Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth's Court was in a much much smaller place yeah. at so within like the, 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 the structure of the show uh, and then that was, it was Tom's real passion project to get that into a, into a, into a much much bigger area and actually the show is much better for it yeah. it's a yeah. lovely space to be um, the, the stuff that I, I really wanted in um, was uh, was was uh, to bring back UNIT and to put UNIT in there, which is the you know the Doctor Who equivalent of like the Men in Black, for the initiated. uninitiated, um, because it, it had been disbanded, uh, it would, I thought it would have been really fun to bring those those guys back. And then um, I, I wanted Da Vinci in the show because he, he's never popped up in Doctor Who. I thought he would have been a wonderful original character for us to have within there. And then there are two other things that i was really passionate about getting in that we're keeping absolutely secret <laughs> one of them is a villain that i really wanted in uh, and the other is is a very special doctor who location um, <laughs> that, uh, that that we that we had to, that, I, that we had to have a lot of conversations about using but but it, it was where the show was going to end from the very beginning <laughs> this is where the finale was going to happen these were the characters that were going to be in it and uh, we, we managed to get that get that to happen and again i'm really excited because of it
0: that's intriguing.
3: I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to finding out. Yeah,
4: we're keeping yeah just some some little secrets. Yeah. just
3: so when you come, there's a special
0: reward for coming to the show. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. You've got to keep some of it back. Exactly. Um, you know, so you know, speaking of that, uh, what should uh, fans, you know, visitors uh, expect when they arrive? What What should they know before they get here?
3: Well, you can walk in off the street, yeah. having never seen an episode of Doctor Who or done any research, and come in and have this adventure uh, because it's, it's, it's uh, set in its own little pocket universe due to the time fracturing, uh, creating havoc with the dimensions. Uh, it's, it's got a solid beginning, middle and end, so you can walk in off the street and just go on this adventure. However, if you are a Whovian, if you are a Doctor Who fan, everything within the show it will be familiar to you. Everything uh, that is here in some way is nodding, uh, nodding to or paying homage to the last 60 years, nearly, of a Whovian canon. So if you are a Hoovian, you're going to have a wonderful night, and there's a lot of... I mean, there's, there's, I think there's nearly thousands of Easter eggs mm, now, because mm. every, every prop, every costume, every location, uh, bits bit of lore, um, the, 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 the plot lines, they're all things that would be familiar to those who who loved it it is also
4: not just familiar it's authentic Mm -hmm. they are they are the props from the episode they are the costumes that is that is the console (laughs) that is david tennant's chair that is matt's tv do you mean so that's that's another layer that we've now had in the show that maybe we wouldn't have had before if we didn't have a lockdown because we created more content with more sets and had more time with the bbc working in creative collaboration Mm -hmm. to then to then you know, get this extra layer of detail, which is, which is incredible.
0: Mm. Uh, That is, that is the real set. I mean, I was talking to Rebecca a bit about this. She said, um, so those pieces you mentioned, are they from the genuine, on-show TARDIS's? Yeah. Wow,
4: that's incredible all stored in Cardiff and brought down in truckloads. Uh, Each each week more stuff turns up, it's amazing. There's David Tennant's hand in Torchwood, Mm. uh, which is the one from the episode. Yeah, we're we're very lucky and Mm -hmm. um, we're also very aware that it's special, so a lot of it's glued down, (laughs) so don't try and steal it. Uh, No, we're we're very excited to then not just frame it in a kind of museum experience, but Mm. also put a story around it and acknowledge it uh, and celebrate it. It's, you know, it's a whole celebration, like Dan said, of Doctor Who. Yeah. But also, it's, it's absolutely a show. You can come cold off the streets and have an awesome night out. Not have to acknowledge that's David's chair, but still enjoy the experience mm-hmm. and enjoy what's in front of you.
0: Obviously, I've only seen some very specific bits today. Yeah, yeah. Um, on the
3: actual, you know, show night. Yeah. How linear is it, and how much can you kind of wander off? So, uh, so, so there is there is a there's a large, uh, broad strokes, overarching narrative. The adventure that you go on, you do have your mission, and you will you will go on that journey and have uh, and have that adventure. How you go about that is down to you as the individual audience member. Mm. Once you once you uh, embark on your mission from units you will be then move through move, move through the time fracture and then you will have these worlds at your disposal you can explore and you can move around you will be interacted with by characters and then it's down to you the audience do you want to follow these people do you trust these people are you going to engage with these people and when you do that will take you on your own unique journey at which point at any point throughout you can either stay with the, with that journey or you can wander off and join something else it's very much down to how do you want to go through this adventure
4: and that's really important like that's really important about putting audiences at the heart of the story mm. we want the audiences to feel like they have agency they have a purpose they're playing a role and they matter and what they say means something and so it's really important that our actors are trained in the way that they listen to the audience which is amazing and they react to their offers um, and that is how you kind of pick your choose your own adventure mm. style form of theatre, which we think is the most exciting. Yes. It's challenging mm. because we can't always predict what the audience is going to say, but that's why we rehearse and we have the best actors for this game um, who are smart and think think on the front foot. Mm, definitely.
0: Um, obviously it's, you know, one of the big things you guys announced recently, um, serious imp- seriously impressive collection of cameos. Mm. Yeah, I saw a couple of them uh, earlier, the yeah. first and 13th Doctor. Yeah. Um, I mean, what was it like getting those people involved um, and um, you know did some come later in the process and others
4: yeah i, th- I think again from from the bad things that happened from this pand-
0: pandemic and it's you know
4: our industry's really suffered and a lot of people um, are still struggling we had more time which means we had had more time to engage with these these actors and the talent from the show which then delivered us jody david bradley um to name a few but it was an honor to, to work with them you know they're very busy uh, working in Hollywood films, David Bradley at the time, and Jodie obviously filming the next season. But for them to give us time um, was was great, and you know, a huge privilege and incredible to see them work. Mm. Um, the talent was, was was amazing.
3: And there's a, you've been in the recording studio with with many Sylvester so, so McCoy,
4: uh, yeah. Tom Baker, yeah, which is amazing to then to meet these people in life. You know,
0: big characters yeah. on and off screen. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. So, um, obviously, I've sort of seen how uh, Jodie and David Bradley's version of the first mm-hmm. actor um, are included. Uh, are The Doctors kind of in it less than that, some just sort of audio, just some sort of pop-up?
4: Yes, all, all, all different. Hmm. There, are, there are more visuals, more recordings. We're actually filming some, some other recordings um, next week, so another character. Hmm. Um, and you know, sadly, some of the, doc- the Doctors are no longer with us, hmm. so we have cameos from other voice artists. Um, yes, there are there are doctors throughout, and then there. Are, yeah, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> you were the, getting the,
3: there me. The, there, are, there are doctors throughout, and if anyone does have a doctor that is their favourite doctor, there is a moment uh, within the show where I think if, you, if you've got a favourite, that favourite is represented. They'll yeah. turn up. Just
0: they'll turn up. something else. Yeah. are good. Yeah. Um, I was kind of thinking that um, that first bit where you're in the UNIT headquarters and you're jumping between the first and thirteenth Doctor mm. is almost like you know playing between you know the whole history of the show. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. And was that kind of something that was important yeah. to you guys? Yeah. Uh, in you. It, not just being Current set
3: up the current setup all those. yeah well it was it was said from the very beginning that this that this show is a love letter to dr who not current generation dr who not uh, not not the modern iteration but the whole thing all all of the nearly 60 years from hartnell right through to jody um is is acknowledged in some way this is a celebration of the whole thing so having the conceit being right sort of being that first and current is represented then everything in the middle is also to play for, yeah. is the idea. So, like, this is, this is everything yeah. that we're exploring.
0: Brilliant. I've got to ask, back in the day, um, I, I'm from Cardiff, uh, yes. and back in the day I used to go to the Doctor Who experience. Mm.
3: Yes, yeah. so fondly remembered by so many so people. So many, <laughs> we, we've,
4: had to, we've had to wait to open our doors to explain that we're not that, <laughs> yes.
0: yeah, and it's not that transfer to London. Yes. 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 It is something different.
3: But they're very excited about the possibility that it would be. Hopefully, they won't be disappointed when they come here.
0: Well, it struck me that you know some parts of it are, aren't dissimilar, because there was a kind of storyline in that, much mm. more linear though, yeah. and even like a big door with a crack that opens at the beginning. Mm. Um, and yeah i was wondering if you guys had taken any inspiration from that early on. and certainly i guess some of the props that were there must be here yeah so we're working with creative partnership with the
4: bbc like i said and that team was the team that delivered the card of experience and so i'm I'm, um we've had lots of um advice and support from them which is great sally dan and i never experienced it we didn't get to go and so uh That's great to hear there's a door with a crack in it, we didn't know that. (laughs) We haven't stolen that. Um, Our door is our own door. Um, We've got two of them. Um, No, yes, there's props, absolutely the same props uh, and more. So obviously the show has um, been running for longer since then. And so um, I imagine there's some recognisable Easter eggs that were within the experience in Cardiff. Mm. But again, now we are staging it and framing it within a story with performance Mm. and live action. And and the journey mm. on the, on this quest to save the universe, we hopefully like that kind of gives it an extra quality mm. that that takes it in, into into someone's uh, heart and the, into their memory that you know they forget.
3: And it's a, it's a, I, I mean the differentiation and, and that's a, the Doctor Who experience from from what we'd saw seen of it because uh, you can only see tiny bits, sure. you know, recorded for it from inside, and that's all the old familiarity. Unfortunately, that we have with it. Uh, it, is, it feels a very, very different beast. Uh, what we've got here is, is uh, the, the, the experiential arm of it, the theatrical arm in it. This is, this is immersive, and also theatre is really important within this as well. This is a theatrical show that you're coming to. Uh, this, this, this stretches across two hours and 15 minutes. We have a cast of 42 performers. We're over 21,000 square feet. This is uh, The intent is for the audience to, have to step into a live action episode of Doctor Who. We're there playing the main parts, and we're trying to do that. Uh, as much justice as we can within here. Mm. And although there is a huge amount of original uh, props and costumes within it, they're here to be interacted with and support a story rather than be here as an exhibition piece.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I have to ask, you know, we talked before about your kind of wish list, your white paper. (laughs) Um, Was there anything um, that you guys really wanted to include that you couldn't for one reason or another?
3: Oh, um, Careful. I know <laughs> now, there's, there's several things that I, that I, that I, that I can say, but, 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 but would, would, um, the, the, would the, move the, on. If, yes, if we had
4: more time and more availability from some people, it mm-hmm. would have been great to have them, yes. Um, yes, but they, we understand that, that you know the doctors sometimes move on mm-hmm. and and they are in you know in Hollywood making lots of big films and they don't live in the country anymore, <laughs> uh, and so there, there's there's elements of that. So if we had more time oh. and resource, um. There could have been another opportunity there. However, we've we find fixes. That's our yeah. jobs to find creative fixes, and we're we're very happy with what, yeah. what we've managed to achieve.
3: And without without being like really wishy-washy about it, like I, I did I did the first presentation of like what this thing was going to be on in in Cardiff on the on the set of Jodie's TARDIS with a whiteboard drawing it out, and drew out all of these spaces and what would be in there and what the story would be. It hasn't changed Mm. in that 18 months. We've managed to, and and that's amazing, and that's because of the support of of, of the users, the management team, and the BBC, Mm. that we've actually managed to realise all of the stuff that that felt incredibly ambitious at the beginning, Mm. but we've managed to get, more or less, pretty much everything that we wanted to create here, Mm. which is incredible. And to use a 2020 word, unprecedented. (laughs) Can (laughs) I just ask one final question?
0: My final question, um, I've seen a lot of fans really excited about mm. the show, looking forward to coming. Mm. Uh, some overseas fans, especially Americans, mm. are saying, you know, is it going to come to America? Mm. I mean, obviously you guys have only just got started here. Yeah. Could you see that happening? Could there be, you know, satellite uh, time fracture experiences? Absolutely. Well, you know, with, with the world going in the right direction,
4: mm-hmm. anything's possible. You know, we would absolutely love to take the show to, to America, to China, so to you know, the fans around the world. We just hope and pray that the world uh, and, and this pandemic is, is is going the right direction. Absolutely, there's a huge ambition for the show. It's a huge title. It spans across generations. There's a huge fan base, loyal, passionate, loving fan base for it, and they should see the show because you know it's for
3: them. Yeah. And it's a show that you can take your family to. Mm. You know, you can come as a as a, as a whole. But we've already had, you know, um, <laughs> multiple generations coming oh, in, yeah. and, and and an eight year old mm. has the same kind of fun as a fifty eight oh, year old. Oh, and this <laughs> is very rare. Maybe less tears. Less tears. <laughs> less tears. Less tears. Although from who? Because yeah, yeah. the eight year olds yeah. don't get to go through the scary bit. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, as, as a result, like, it is, it is, it is uh, something that we're very proud of and it is a, it's a lovely show and it would be delightful to be able to share it, but...
4: What, one step at a time. Yeah, yeah. they you know, down we, in we, London we, first. Yeah. We, we opened a show in a, in a really tough time, right? <laughs> and so we need, to, we need to make sure that we navigate through this. Audiences know about it, so thank you for coming. Mm. And also <laughs> encouraging fans and also theatre fans and people who want a fun experience in an afternoon or an evening to, to come into The Fracture.
3: Brilliant.
4: All right, Thank you, guys. Thank you for your time.
0: Thank you. you too. And thanks very much to those guys. So, yeah, that was my day on the set of Doctor Who Time Fracture. Um, I saw some interesting things. I saw a pig man named Brawls trying to sell me various parts of Matt Smith's old TARDIS. Uh, speaking of which, loads of uh, old Doctor Who props, and apparently they were genuine props, as I you know, discussed in the interviews. Um, I saw a Kablam man lurking around the place. I also met some Time Lord guides and did quite a lot of interesting things. Went to an alien bar called Zagat Zagu, hung out in William Shakespeare's place, had a sneak peek of the Torchwood set, uh, Torchwood three of uh, Torchwood, the series fame, um, which I didn't get to walk in, but that'll be a key part. And apparently there's, you know, from what the guys were saying, there's just so much more to explore. So I'm excited. Like I say, I can't give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down yet because I haven't done it properly. But um, once I have done it, I'll let you know my thoughts in more depth. Um, until then, I hope you enjoyed these interviews and this little preview of Doctor Who Time Fracture. Um, next week, we'll be back with another podcast in the more traditional format. I'll be back with one of my co-presenters, I imagine, unless something crazy happened. And yeah, you can read my preview of Doctor Who Time Fracture uh, on Radiotimes.com. Also spun out a couple of the points that I chatted about with the people in those interviews, also on Radiotimes.com. And you can also check out last week's podcast where we were celebrating the anniversary of River Song. Until next time, I've been Hugh. And there's not another person to say their bit. So I'll just say goodbye. ACAST powers the world's best
1: podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend.
3: Hi, I'm Anna Ferris and I have this podcast fittingly titled Anna Faris is Unqualified, where each week a different celebrity and I attempt to give relationship and dating advice. Recent co-hosts have included Matthew McConaughey.
0: You got somebody you care
3: about. You lost track of them. Go find out. Margaret Cho. <laughs> Vacation sex is always irresistible. Gwyneth Paltrow. I could make it all about them and not have to focus on my own problems. <laughs> and Seth Rogen.
1: <laughs>
3: so if you're wondering what your favorite celebrity or I would do in your situation, just listen and subscribe to Anna Ferris is Unqualified. Free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.
2: Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.COM